0: Welcome to Walking by Faith, where we believe that God's relevance extends to every aspect of our lives. Our goal is to empower you with the tools you need to grow in your faith journey. And that's why we can access Pastor's Notes in a snap. Download our app today to follow along. We've stepped into the front lines of spiritual warfare and it's time to gear up. The enemy isn't a stranger to camouflage. He disguises his intentions to make them appear like our ticket to success. But don't be fooled, the struggle is real and our resilience is our weapon. Join us today as we equip ourselves with the wisdom to stand firm against the adversary in today's message, Sound of Victory.
1: So we're we're in a series of messages. We've entitled Knowing Your Enemy. And today, I actually went back and forth on two different titles because I'm hoping to hit two different things. I'm not sure if I'm going to get all the way, but I'm going to try. I first, the first title is Don't Blame God. And then my second title is Faith Talks Back. Or I thought we could say faith is sassy. Come on. <laughs> you know, because faith really is, It's sassy. Right, when it confronts the enemy. But uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11 says, lest least Satan should take advantage of us because we are not ignorant of his devices. Where the Bible tells us to not be ignorant, it's interesting, we become the most ignorant. Right? And, and t- honestly, most of us are very, very ignorant of the devil's devices. Again, 1 Peter 5, verse 8. It says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, goes about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Verse 9, resist him steadfast in the faith. So so there is no such thing as passive victory for a Christian. You have got to resist. In fact, in Ecclesiastes 8, and I believe it's verse 8, where it says, there is no release from that war. When you become a Christian, you enter into a spiritual warfare. And if you don't know it, if you just like check out, you are going to be the devil's lunch. There's no release. It does not work to say, hey, devil, you just leave me alone. I'll leave you alone. He won't do it. You cannot ignore him. He goes about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Ignorant people, he devours ignorant people. Passive people, he devours passive people and people that open a door, that participate with the devil. And, of course, Jesus said, John 10, 10, the thief, he comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come that you may have life and have it abundantly. The devil shows up, he kills, he steals, and destroys. He doesn't announce himself. Uh, He always tries to come in camouflaged. He tries to come in as circumstances, people, But he does not come up and say, hey, show up with this red outfit on and a tail and a pitchfork. His idea is, I'm going to stay camouflaged so people don't even know I'm here. Or if he does show up, letting himself be known, Paul said it this way, it's no wonder for Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. When he shows up, he tries to tell you he's there for your benefit. He tries to tell you, hey, this is God here. He transforms himself into an angel of light. Uh, Acts 10, 38 says, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, who went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed of the devil. Uh, I think it's so interesting that most Christians today, when sickness shows up, they think it's from God. But the Bible says Jesus healed those who were oppressed of the devil. Ultimately, all sickness goes back to when Satan and sin came into this world. God is not the author of sickness and disease. So I want us to go back into the Old Testament to the book of Job. Now, if you have a Bible, if you open it right in the middle, you'll find the book of Psalms. And then you just go a little bit back towards the one book back towards the beginning. It's the book of Job. It's fairly good sized book, 42 chapters. And I think this book probably causes more Christians to just like what in the world is going on than any other book in the Bible. Now, this book is written by Moses, by divine revelation. God shows him what happened. It's actually believed to be the oldest book that has ever been written. Even before Moses wrote Genesis, he probably wrote the book of Job. Now, the Bible tells us about Job, that he was of all the men of the East. He was the richest of all the men of the East, that he feared God, and he was upright. And Satan and God are actually having a conversation about Job. And in Job chapter 1 and verse 10, Satan says, well, you've made a hedge around him and around his household, and around all that he has on every side. And you've blessed the works of his hands, and his possessions have increased in the land. So so Moses, is, excuse me, Moses, uh, Satan is saying to God, look, you're protecting this guy. And, and there's a hedge of protection around him, and, and I can't get to him. Well, God responds in the 12th verse, and he says, look, all that he has or or, excuse me, all that belongs to him is in your power. Only don't stretch out your hand against him. So Satan went out from Yahweh's or from God's presence. So God said to the devil, hey, look, take a look, because the devil did not even realize that that hedge of protection was down. God just says, hey, take a look at what's happening here. Some of your translations say behold, which simply means look. That hedge of protection was down, but the devil didn't even know it. And Satan goes and attacks Job. The first thing that he did was attack his finances. And he literally lost everything that he had. Secondly, he attacked his family. Thirdly, he attacked his health. In fact, the second chapter, seventh verse says, so Satan went out from the presence of the Lord and he struck Job with sore boils from the sole sole of his foot to the crown of his head. Who struck Job. Satan struck Job. And remember, God said, hey, look, that do- there's, a, there's an opening. That hedge you think is there? Now, there's, a, there's, a, there's a door, there's an entryway in that hedge. Now, in the third chapter, we see one of the things that brought that, that hedge down. Job said, for the thing I greatly feared has come upon me, and what I dreaded has happened to me. I was not at ease, nor was I quiet. I have no rest, but trouble comes. I feared a great fear. Now, in uh, Philippians chapter 4, it says, don't be anxious about anything, but with prayer and supplication, make your request, be made known to God. Don't be anxious, right? Uh, Anxiety really is is worry. In fact, some of your translations says don't worry about anything. Well, worry is simply fear in its infancy. That's what worry is. It's fear in its infancy. But when it grows, it can become a very powerful thing. In fact, Second Timothy chapter 1 and verse 7 says God hasn't given you the spirit of fear. Right? Fear in its epitome, in its fullness, is actually motivated by a demonic spirit. It is a spiritual thing. So he fears this great fear. Well, fear really is faith in reverse, and it opens a door for the enemy to come in. But there was something else that was happening, and so I'm going to just read a little bit of what Job said, and I want you to listen carefully. For Job has said, I am righteous, but God has taken away my justice. Then he says, should I... I lie concerning my right. My wound is incurable, though I am without transgression. He says, I'm righteous. Now here's the 35th chapter, second verse. Do you think this is just, you say, this is what Job said. I am more righteous than God. How many of you know when you think you got it together more than God's got it together, you got problems. But Job thinks that God is mistreating him and that he is more righteous than God is. Uh, When God finally shows up on the scene, right, in Job chapter 38, this is what God says. I want you to listen. Who is this? And he's speaking directly to Job. Who is this who darkens counsel by words without knowledge? And then God says, now prepare yourself like a man and I will question you and you will answer me. So God said about Job, who is this who darkens counsel by words without knowledge? We can say it like this. Who's this guy who's talking about stuff he doesn't know anything about? Right. So God said Job's words were darkened counsel. So if you listen to Job, you will walk in darkness. Now, here's what most of the church does today. Most Christians get their theology from Job. All right? And God said, if you get your theology from Job, they say, you're going going to walk in darkness. God says, Job, you do not know what you're talking about. right? So, hmm. here's what God said. Do you have an arm like God? Or can you thunder with a voice like his? Then adorn yourself with majesty and splendor. Array yourself with glory and beauty. Disperse the rage of your wrath. And look upon everyone who is proud and humble him. Look on everyone who is proud and bring him low. Tread down the wicked in their place. Hide them in the dust together. Bind their faces in hidden darkness. Now, this next verse is the key verse to the whole book of Job. The key verse, then I also will confess to you that your own right arm can save you. So here's what Job thought. Job thought he could be righteous by the things that he did, by how good he was, by the things that he did and the things that he did not do. He thought, I'm right before God. So God said, you do all this stuff, and then I will also confess to you. That your right arm can save you. Now, here's the truth there is nobody who can save themselves. Everybody needs a savior. Everybody has broken some law, some rule. In fact, the Bible says if you break the, the, the law in one point, you've broken the whole law. In other words, you just, how many of you will admit that you've blown it at least once? God said, "Well, if you blew it once, you broke the law, and when the law is broken, the whole law's broken." You know, I've told you this story before, but I don't know how old we were—like ten years old or something. We were st- stupid kids, all right. So I'm playing with Jeff Blake, who lives across the street, all right. And I don't know why we had mar- big big marbles, right—and we were throwing them against his house. <laughs> I know it's dumb to start with, but it gets dumber, all right. So they had this big window, and I just hit the very bottom corner and cracked it. Well, I didn't think it was, it was just a corner. And it was just one crack. Well, maybe a little more than one crack. My dad and Mr. Blake got together, and they decided that I would pay to have that window replaced. I told them, You don't need to replace the whole thing, there's only one little down here. They didn't pay attention. Listen, it took all of my money in the world and then about three or four months of allowance. It took everything, but it was just a corner. Well, that's what the law is like. You break one part of the law, the whole law is broken. And because of that, nobody can save themselves, right? We all need a savior. In fact, let me just give you a few things that Job said about himself. The entire 31st chapter is nothing about, except Job bragging about how good he is, all right? He said, now, if I had made a covenant with, I've made a covenant with my eyes, why then I should, should I look upon a young woman? In fact, one translation says it this way, I made a covenant with my eyes, I'll never look at a woman and lust after her. How many know that's better than most of us? Six people in here that are honest. Come on. <laughs> All right. If, if my heart had been enticed by a woman or if I had lurked at my neighbor's door, he says I've never done anything like that. If I had despised the cause of my male or female servants when they complained against me, he says, man, my employees showed up. I listened to them every single time. If I had kept the poor from their desire or caused the eyes of the widow to fail or had eaten a morse, my morsel by myself so that the fatherless could not eat of it. He said, I always took care of the poor, I always took care of the widows, and I always took care of the fatherless. He said, if I had made gold my hope or set of gold, your my confidence, or if I had rejoiced because my wealth was great or because my hand had gained much. He said, I never rejoiced. Though I was wealthy, I didn't rejoice in that. I just rejoiced in the Lord. Then he goes on and he says, if I had rejoiced at the destruction of him who hated me or had lifted myself up when evil found him. He said, I never rejoiced when something bad happened to my enemies. I'm I'm remembered years ago. Jeannie and I were at a conference in Seattle, Washington, and Dr. Cho was speaking. Pastor of the largest church in the world, 800,000 people. And uh, he, said, uh, he said, I have to pray four hours every day because I hate so many people. I must forgive. <laughs> 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 well, I don't hate that many, but there's some on my list. <laughs> All right. He said, no, I never rejoice when something bad happened to them. But no journer had to lodge in the street, for I have opened my doors to the traveler.'" He said, man, I, I just took care of everybody. And he, he lists this whole thing for a whole chapter about how good he is. So God says, who is this who darkens counsel? By words without knowledge. Now, Job thought that God was his enemy. Right? Now, you know this, but the Bible is progressive knowledge or progressive revelation. The, the farther you get in the Bible, the more you find about a single truth. In fact, Job didn't have any of the Bible. He didn't even know the devil existed. And so he's blaming God for everything that's going on. All right? Uh, In Job 16, he says, "I I was at ease, but he has scattered me. He has also taken me by the neck, shaken me to pieces. He set me up for his target. His archers surround me. They pierce my heart. And does not pity. He pours out my gull on the ground. He breaks me with wound upon wound. He runs at me like a warrior. Now, he's blaming God. Now, the truth is, this is all happening. But you know, it's not God doing it. It's the devil doing it. And I cannot tell you how many people blame God for what's going on in their life. When the truth is, the devil, who goes about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour, Has come, and he's trying to devour their life. Job 9, though I were perfect, yet I would not know my soul, and I would despise my life. Therefore, it's one thing. Listen. He destroys the perfect and the wicked. If the scourge slays suddenly, he laughs at the trial of the innocent or the plight of the innocent. The earth is given into the hands of the wicked, he covers the face of the judges thereof, and if not, where and who is he? Now he's making all sorts of accusations against God, but God is not the author of what he thinks he's the author. The devil is the author of all of these things. All right. One translation says, "If not him, who is it, and where is he?" I like that. All right. Spanish translation says, "No es él quién es. donde está?" Well. If it's not God, who is it? It's the devil. All right? And where is he? He's going about walking around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. All right? So here's what ultimately ends up happening. God shows up, talks with him. And this is what he finally says. Job says, look, I've heard about you, but now I see you face to face. He said, I repent in dust and ashes. I repent. How many of you know repent means I was wrong? I was wrong. So, so he ran to God finally at the end of this. And, and by the way, you can read this and think, oh my goodness, Job spent his lifetime in trouble. All right. Bible scholars agree that the book of Job from when he is first attacked to when God turns his captivity is probably as little as three months in an absolute maximum of nine months, right? So I've heard people say, well, I'm Job. Well, then get some victory, get some healing, and get some blessing because that's what happened to Job. Job did not stay in that condition forever. When he finally ran to God, instead of blaming God, for what was happening in his life. The Bible says that God turned the captivity of Job. What was happening to Job, the Bible calls captivity, not a blessing. It calls it captivity and God turned that captivity. So some of the the, the takeaways of this, let me just say this, Why why do bad things happen? Well, sometimes it's just the devil. It is simply the devil. Other times, there's a law, spiritual law, called the law of sowing and reaping, that what you sow, you reap, right? And sometimes it's a result of bad decisions, right? In Proverbs nineteen three, it says, A man's own folly brings his way to ruin, and his heart rages against the Lord. A man's own folly brings ruin. In other words, you did dumb stuff. How many of you know when you sow dumb, you reap dumb? And so the Bible is saying look, you sowed something and now you're reaping it, but you're mad at God. You're raging against God, how bad God is. Um, Ecclesiastes 7 Don't be overly wicked, nor be foolish. Why should you die before your time? You see, you, you, you can just be dumb. If I go down 28th Street and I said, you know what? I'm going to drive 80 miles an hour down 28th Street, and I am not going to pay any attention to the red lights. How many of you know that God did not do that? Right? The Bible says don't be foolish. Right? You can do foolish things, it says, and die before your time, Right? before you live out your days. So Job says, Job 42 he says, I repent in dust and I pour myself. I repent in dust and ashes. And the Lord turns the captivity of Job when he prayed for his friends. And God gave or blessed Job twice as much as he had before. Now, he was the richest to start with and God makes him richer. But here's the lesson. Don't run from God. Run to God. God is not the source of those problems. But God is the answer to what's happening in your life. Now, Ephesians chapter six. Well, that was the introduction. All right, so here we go. Ephesians six, verse 16. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all of the fiery darts of the wicked one. So Satan comes with fiery darts. Now, I wanna say this. It says this over in the book of James. It says that your tongue is set on fire by hell. In other words, very often what the devil does is he uses the words of your mouth and my mouth to come against us. So Joshua 1.8 says, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate therein day and night that you may observe to do according to all that's written therein, because then you'll make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. So here's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to say what God says. What does God say about you? That's what you're supposed to say. What God says, you need to say. In fact, if you can turn your believing and your mouth around, you will turn your life around. If you turn your believing around and your mouth around, you will turn your life around. Let me say this. And the power lies in consistency. The power lies in consistency. Jesus said this. Mark 11, verse 23. He said, Verily I say unto you, that whosoever will say to this mountain, Be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea, and shall not dart in his heart, but believe that those things which he saith will come to pass. He'll have whatsoever he saith. Now that last word, he'll have whatsoever he saith, is the Greek word lego. All grandparents understand that word. All right. And the, the Greek, this is the literal definition from the Greek, your set systematic discourse, what you say, what you tell, and what you declare to others. It's your set systematic discourse. It's not what you say one time, but it's what you believe in your heart. right Jesus said, and don't doubt, and say with your mouth. Proverbs 18, 21, death and life are in the power of the tongue. And they that love it will eat the fruit thereof. So Isaiah 54, 17 says, no weapon formed against you will prosper. But every tongue that rises up against you in judgment, you shall condemn, right? Every tongue that rises up against you, everything that's set against you, right? Everything that comes against you, you shall condemn condemn. How do you do that? This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord for your righteousness is me, says the Lord. Now, the way that you condemn that thing, right, is you talk to it. You confront it. Let me say it. Faith talks back and faith gets sassy. Now, listen, David is going to go and fight Goliath. And David has just said to the king, I'm going to go. And the God who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear, he will deliver this Philistine into my hands. So he goes to see that Philistine. And the Bible says that Goliath sees David. Now, I want to remind you of Goliath. Right? Goliath is six cubits in a span. His spearhead weighs 600 shekels. And he has got six pieces of armor. Six, six, six. Reminds you of anybody? All right. Six, six, six. And the, the Bible says that when Goliath saw him, he despised him. And he said, come here. He said, I'm going to kill you. And I'm going to give your body to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. And David said, right? Now, Goliath just said something. His tongue rose up against David. So what is David going to do? He's going to condemn it. And he said, you come against me with a sword and a spear and a javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord of hosts whose armies you have defiled. And today he will deliver you into my hand and I will cut off your head and I will feed your body and the body of the Philistine army to the beasts of the field and the birds of the air, that all the earth may know that there is a God in heaven. You know what he did? He condemned it. He confronted it and he condemned it. So Goliath said, David said, and then Goliath, well, David took that sling threw that that stone, hit him in the forehead, knocked him down, went over, cut his head off with his own spear and Goliath did not say anything else. So you make sure you have the last word, right? When that tongue rises up against you, you make sure you have the last word. Jesus is in the desert and the devil shows up. And the Bible says, the devil said, but you know what Jesus did? The Bible says, Jesus said, it's written. And then the devil said, and then Jesus said, it's written. And then the devil said, and then Jesus said. It's written. I don't know if you realize this, but there was a war going on. It was a war of words, and in your life and in my life, there is a war going on, and it's a war of words. This book of the of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. You and I need to learn to say what God says. Now, let me just give you one example of this as we close. Numbers. Chapter 13, the children of Israel have gone through the desert. They've come out of Egypt, gone through the desert. they come to the promised land. They're right at the Jordan River in a place called Kadesh barnia And God had said to them, I have given you the land. It's yours. I've given it to you. And uh, they send 12 men into the land to go and spy out the land. They spend 40 days in the land. And then they come back, and they're giving a report. So they said to Moses, we went to the land where you sent us, and truly it flows with milk and honey. There is abundance, and there is victory. And this is its fruit. And by the way, they have got on a pole a cluster of grapes, and it is so big that two men have to carry one cluster of grapes. I was at Walmart yesterday. They are not that big. We're talking, these these, these must have been like grapes like this. This place is a place of abundance. This is its fruit. Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land, they're strong. Their cities are fortified and large. And moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. The Hittites and the Jebusites and the pepsi and the Amorites, they dwell in the mountains. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea along the banks of the Jordan. And Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome. But the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land through which they had spied out. Now, God said they gave a bad report. God said, I've given you the land, and you are well able. And they said, we cannot go in because we are not well able. They disagreed with God, and God said they gave a bad report. Now, when you or I disagree with God, that's a bad report. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. You and I need to say what God says about us that we're victorious, that we're overcomers, that we have peace, that we're righteous in Christ. We need to say what God says about us, not what the devil says about us, not what circumstances say about us. In fact, every tongue that rises up against you, you must condemn it. You need to rise up, get sassy, and say what God says. And literally, that is the spirit of faith. Second Corinthians Chapter four, verse 13, Paul says, since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what's written, I believe, this is David, therefore I spoke. He's going to go fight Goliath. He believed, therefore he spoke. We also believe, the verse says, therefore we speak. So the spirit of faith is just two parts. You believe it in your heart and you say it with your mouth. You believe it in your heart, and you say it with your mouth. They gave the children a bad report of the land through which they had spied out, saying, the land through which we had gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants, and all the people whom we saw are men of great stature. There we saw the giants, the descendants of Anak came from the giants, and we were like grasshoppers in our own sight, sorry, Excuse me, and so we were in their sight. Now, here's the bad thing. Two of the spies stand up and say, let us go in at once. Ten said, we cannot go in. Two million people believe the ten. They, they are listening to the ten spies negative news network. We've got them going today. They believe that, and do you know what happened? They didn't get to go in. In fact, God said, as I live, says the Lord, Just as you've spoken in my ear, so I will do to you. God listened to what they said, and they received what they said. I think it's interesting. Jesus said, you will have what you you say. So what most Christians do is they give a report of what they've got. You're not supposed to give a report of what you have. You're supposed to give a report of what God says you can have and believe that you can have it. And if you'll say it and believe it, Jesus said, you will bring it out of the spiritual realm into the natural realm. I Think about this. God created this earth with words. Words are the parent force of everything on this planet. They were created by words. And they will respond to words. Sickness and disease will respond to words. Think about this. Jesus talked to trees. He cursed it and said, die, and it died. He talked to storms. He talked to sickness. He's talked to disease. He talked to the devil. He talked to demons. He talked to the wind. He talked to waves. And you say, yeah, but that's Jesus. Yeah, but Jesus said, the works that I do will you do also. And even greater works. The spiritual law that Jesus used will work for you. Jesus said, listen, Mark 11:23, 23, verily, verily, I say unto you that whosoever will say to this mountain. See, most of us want to talk to God about our mountain. God, the devil's after me. God, do this. God, do that. But Jesus said, I've given you authority, and you need to talk to that mountain. You need to talk to those circumstances, right? You talk to them. Jesus said, they'll obey you. You believe in your heart and do not doubt. Jesus said, you will have. How many believe Jesus? And I do think it's interesting. He starts out by with the verily, which means I'm going to tell you this, but you're not going to believe it. But I'm telling you to believe it. Jesus said, it is true. That If you will believe what God has said about you, you believe what God says about you. Just like these Israelites, God says, Have you spoken in my ear, so I'll do unto you? You believe what God says and you say it? That's what's going to happen in your life. Jesus said, You will have whatsoever you say. Now, I know for some of us, this is like, That's crazy. No, that's Jesus. That's Jesus. That's your Bible. That's your Bible. didn't say, ask God to take care of it. He says, you need to condemn it. You need to speak it. Right? You need to use the authority that you have. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. That's why David said, I will say of the Lord, he's my refuge, my fortress, my God, and him will I trust. He said, that's what I'm saying about God. What are you saying about God? What are you saying? For the Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord... Say so. You know, the Bible is God's word. It is God speaking to us. And we often say the Bible has the answers to all of life's questions. And it does have all the answers. But the Bible also has the greatest questions. Let me just give you a few of them. For example, the Bible asks this question What is your life? Now, if I were to ask some people, What's your life? somebody would say, Well, my life's happy. Somebody else would say, My life's a wreck. Somebody would say, My life's my family. Some may say, well, my life is my job. Somebody might say, my life's going nowhere. But the Bible answers the question and says, your life is but a vapor that's here for a moment and it's gone. Uh, we live in the North Country, and in the winter you go outside and you breathe and you can see your breath. It's a vapor. And in two, three seconds, it's gone. The Bible says, in light of eternity, the time that you're going to spend here on this earth in this physical body that you're living in. It's just like a few seconds. It's just a vapor and it's gone. The next question the Bible asks is this, what will the end be? What will the end be? Now, by the way, it is multiple choice, but there's only two choices. The end, when your body wears out and dies, you're either going to spend an eternity with God, we refer to that as heaven, or you're going to spend an eternity separated from god which is referred to as hell there are no other options and then in the book of acts there's a man who's been a jailer and he comes to the apostle paul and this is his question what must i do to be saved what must i do you see there is something you need to do and it's receive what god has done for you jesus went to the cross shed his blood and paid for your sin He died and rose again, victorious over death. And if you need forgiveness, and everyone does, Jesus is the only Savior. He paid for your sin. And the Bible says, to as many as receive him, to them he gives the right to be the children of God. Now, I want to pray with you to receive Jesus. If you don't know where you stand with God, you're away from God. I'm gonna, I am, I'm begging you, pray this prayer from your heart and give Jesus your heart and life and receive him as your king and your savior. So I want you to make these words your own. Pray this prayer out loud. Say, oh God, I believe Jesus died on the cross. I believe his blood paid for my sins and I believe he rose again. I, I give him all of my heart and all of my life. I hold nothing back. I receive Jesus as my King and my Lord, and I'm going to live for him. And I thank you. You've heard my prayer. I'm forgiven. My past is gone. I'm a part of your kingdom and your family today and forever in Jesus name. Amen. Now, if you just prayed that prayer. We have written a book, especially to help you keep on growing in your spiritual life. Want to get it to you absolutely free. All the information is right there on your screen. And thank you so much for being with us today. God bless.
0: If you just prayed that prayer with Pastor Dwayne, congratulations. You're making one of the best decisions of your life. We're so excited for you. Just like Pastor said, we'd love to send you a free copy of his book, Your New Life. Log on to walkingbyfaith.tv where you can have a copy mailed to you, download it instantly, or check out our audiobook. You can also find all these things on our app. This free book is a great resource as it's full of practical advice and encouragement to help you live a life of faith. Claim your free copy today. Walking by Faith is changing lives and we want you to be a part of it. Your gift will help us continue to produce inspiring content that encourages people to change the way they think and empowers them to use their voice. When you sow into God's kingdom, He will pour out His blessings upon you, just like He says in Malachi 3.10. There are three easy ways to give. Text Give to 1888364 888 364 give Visit walkingbyfaith.tv give or click on the giving icon in our app. Thank you for your support. Are you ready to outsmart the devil and claim victory in your life? Pastor Duane's book, 21 Things That The Devil Cannot Do, is the ultimate guide to stop the enemy in his tracks. Discover the devil's limitations and unlock the power within you with this practical and empowering guide. Don't miss out. Get your copy today at walkingbyfaith.tv and step into a life of triumph over the forces of darkness. Your words are powerful and it's time we use our faith to talk back and resist the devil. If you're in need of prayer for any reason, we'd love to connect with you. By scanning this QR code, you can send us a prayer request, download our app, read our weekly devotionals, and so much more. To rewatch today's episode with closed captions, you can now find us on Rumble. We pray you have a wonderful and blessed week. See you next time.